<laughs> but we are back after two and a half years. Let's go. Uh, I I can't believe it's been that long. Um, I'm tempted to put all the blame on you, but I don't think that would hold up. You do have the text messages of. Uh, I have the text messages. I have the the Twitter backing of all all the, the loyal you know followers who who want to make sure that I see a dime from this podcast. <laughs> see a um, dime. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Let, let's lead off with that. Let's lead off with the whole. We're gonna lead off with the whole rebrand thing because I want no confusion this time. That Doxy is a full partner. This is no longer like my podcast that I'm hosting and he's co-hosting. We are co-hosts together. We are yeah. one. <laughs> I have stocks. I have stocks. I have a you, no, dude, you're, you're on the board, man. You might be more <laughs> important than me at this point. You might be some kind of power move. Like you got 51% of the vote and I have 49% of the vote. Just oh, to be man. perfectly clear. You can't pull any of that. You need to pay me. Just... <laughs> Let there be no doubt this time that it is Doxy's podcast. No, it's it's our podcast. Okay, uh, okay, shared. Yeah, because uh, I don't want to take all the blame if everything fails. So therefore, it's ours. Dude, that, that's messed up. That's messed up. You say that. <laughs> We've been back for two minutes and eighteen seconds, and you're already like, "Oh well, when it fails, you know who to blame." Hey, I just want to make I mean make it clear after two years, you know, two. Well, I don't know how long it was of actually actual podcasting but you know after not being paid so long i have to cover my bases you know this is a safety net kind of the deal that we're working with okay oh so in lieu of like asking me for interest you're gonna just be able to blame me if we fail can we like write that down in a contract no interest on the payments yeah pretty much that's that's some <laughs> um speaking of which we got the new name we got ball don't uh ball sometimes stops which is still working through my head because i thought of that <laughs> approximately three hours ago i think was the the time on that because on twitter so. yeah uh i yes i i did win the poll i uh yeah. juiced the numbers i had a bunch of bots actually on twitter i was like go vote doxy's poll pick the, <laughs> pick the name i said that explains it. you got cycling yeah. twitter to, to to swarm my tweet yeah like i like i like 50 french guys um just camped out waiting they don't speak a word of English, but I was like, option B, just go. <laughs> the second one down, my friends. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Speaking of Twitter, you, you know, you, every now and then I'll get a DM just being like, hey, where's Jake? And I'm like, he's uh, he's smarter than me because he had the, the willpower to escape. This, <laughs> the hardest this. choices require the strongest wills, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> Lawyer reference there, but yeah, basically, you know, I, you're stronger than I am because you you've done what I have never had the strength to, to really commit to. So that's that's where Jake has been, guys. He's been he's been living he's been living life to the fullest, actually. Yeah, I've actually I found it quite enjoyable um, to be off Twitter. It's kind of a wonderful thing. I felt we talked about this a little bit before the show, but I felt joy for the first time watching a Celtics game in about like a year and a half <laughs> when Jalen yeah. pulled up from the logo and hit that. And I like, didn't have to worry about like Twitter or anything. I could just like be in the moment watching. That was, yeah. that, that was sounds good. so appealing. That <laughs> sounds so appealing. Um, you are fighting with like 16 year olds under your tweets <laughs> for, for hours and hours at a time. I don't know if you saw it, but one of the responses to the, to the tweet, like polling for names, um, like one of the responses was smart shouldn't start as like the name of the podcast. And I was like, oh, wow, you're so cool and edgy. I, I love this for you. 
Um, so no, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything designed to make Doxy more mad than saying that in response to a tweet. Like, I think yeah. like you could come up with a, like you could wait for a century and try to brainstorm something that would make him more mad than that. And I don't think you could get there. I, it's very targeted. It's, it's very targeted, and I don't know if I should be like amazed that, that they hit the nerve that well, or if I should be like actually angry as they intended. So I'm still working. I'm still working through it. <laughs> still trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's still processing. But that's why we are Paul sometimes stops now because stepping away, like we talked about this. We'll probably get to this more in the Celtics part. I think yeah. everyone needs to step away at some point and realize, you know, it's a sport you're apparently you're supposed to be watching for fun, right? Like right. you're not supposed to have insane blood pressure, screaming angry rants, maybe wishing death upon players or but really. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I don't know if this was before or after your Twitter hiatus, but like this, you know, label came about last season where now it's a toxic thing to be positive about the Celtics. So like, I I think I'm the poster child of toxic positivity Celtics now. And like, when I saw that, I was just like, I don't want to police how people do fandom because, you know, there's no rule book for any of this, but I don't know. That just seems kind of extreme, don't you think? <laughs> like, it seems extreme to apply about you. I mean, <laughs> you're not doing like loyalty tests on Twitter. Like, I think toxic fandom for, and like the positive direction is like never doubt the team. Like, you're not a true fan. I've never seen Doxy like say anything like that. No. Doxy's no. just like, you know what? I choose to look at a player and look at the positives over the negatives or look at the coaching staff and look at the positives over the negatives. And I don't think that's toxic. I think that's just a way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, as far as like, I mean, I think I've only tiptoed the line of toxic when I've called out people for being like angry at Jabari Parker for existing as a, (laughs) you know, as a player on this team. And it's just like, Okay, yeah, he's not good at defense, but like, what are we gonna do about it? <laughs> like, you know, have an aneurysm because he he does one thing bad on the court when he can do other good things. I don't know. Like, it just seems kind of like a waste of energy. That is kind yeah. of the good way of looking at it too, because like, nothing you do on Twitter will ever change anything. Yeah. Like, no matter how mad you get, the Boston Celtics will not budge. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I I know sometimes we think we can like get it into action if we really all get mad. Um, it just won't happen. Um, yeah, I, odds just... are Jabari Parker will play in the next game, and he'll probably miss a defensive assignment, but maybe he'll score a couple of points. I don't know. You know, yeah, like, who, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> who, it... whom's among us knows? <laughs> we're supposed to talk about Dune. Yes, and we ended up. <laughs> I don't know. We how ended we got up here. here. Yeah, we're we back up here. <laughs> so this is gonna be this is gonna be the Dune section of the pod. Now we're gonna get into that whole thing. The if you haven't seen Dune yet, you need to watch it. It's surreal. I just, I think the craziest thing about like Dune right now taking off and being like as successful as it is, it's basically been my own private nerd obsession <laughs> since I was a, very young. I was like a 12 or 13, I think, when I read it and I just like fell in love with it. But it's such a weird thing. It's such a niche thing. We're not talking about like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter here. Dune is very fringe, it's a kind of a tough read at times. And it's just not in the pop culture. Yeah. And, you know, what's fascinating to me, like, first of all, I mean, this book was written in 1965, right? Yep. And as I'm watching this film, right, and I know nothing about Dune for anybody who's listening. Like, I just, I had no idea going into it before the trailer, right? So 
it's just amazing to me that a book written in 1965 could translate conceivably and faithfully into the film that I just saw, you know, like, it's like, how, how did we get, to, how did we get to here, you know, with, with all of these sci-fi elements and, and like deep lore, and it just looks so perfectly shot. It's just like, I don't know how, and that's why I want to read the book now, because I want to see like how we extracted this film out of that book from it's, over 60 years ago or 60 years ago. It's absolutely incredible. When people say like, so people like to throw this around that I get, if you haven't read the book, you might doubt this. When you read Dune, you think in your head, there's no way you could ever make a movie out of this. It is larger than life. And pretty much half the book happens in characters' heads. Like a lot of what we saw on screen in Dune, those are, it was actually just stuff like that in the book happened internally. Like there was no external emotion shown. Um, I think of the scene a lot where, Jessica is outside the room where Paul's being tested with the gum jabbar. Like she has it at his neck and stuff. And you know how she's outside the room. She's crying. She's right. like visibly distraught in the book. She basically does none of that. It's all really? internal. It's all like her worrying about her son, but she doesn't show any emotion. I think like they make that explicitly clear in the book. Is so that... she's like in the book there, she's like thinking through it. Yeah, exactly. There's no, like, she's not crying or anything. She's just kind of stoic. Like, she has her training. She's kind of, like, under control. But I think, like, that doesn't work, right? Yeah. Like, if you have her stoically standing outside the room as her son basically gets tortured, I think that's probably an app, like, a good way of putting it. He's getting tortured, essentially. Right. And she doesn't show any emotion. The audience is going to be like, wow, this woman is, like, a horrible mother. (laughs) And that's not what I think was they were trying to portray that she's a horrible mother. I think that's just like, well, and again, I have no background. Knowledge. No, exactly. I, no, they're not. Cause in the book, she, yeah. you can see her thoughts and she's clearly very worried. She's like on the verge of a breakdown while he's in that room. Yeah. But her external, like she keeps very composed. And I think in the movie, they make the different choice to have her like break down in tears outside the room. And I think that's just one example of a really good change, like a change yeah. that is absolutely correct. You're correct in making. It translates. It translates the film better for her to like express that out loud. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Internal monologues are so hard to nail in film. <laughs> yeah. F- yeah. Fuck. I mean, you're an anime guy, so you probably love it when they do like the little whisper. <laughs> <They do. laughs> oh no, he's powering up his attack. <laughs> like... Okay, I am a sucker for that, but not in, not in like real people films. <laughs> not in the... it's a little different. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I, in a movie, I don't think you should do that. I think you should be very, very careful before you kind of do any kind of voiceover monologue, like internal thoughts. Like, yeah. we don't need uh, the anime deep thinking. <laughs> as much I do, I do enjoy it in an anime because it's kind of like a trope of the genre, right? Like, yeah, it's charming. Yeah, it's. Exi- I think that's the perfect way of putting it. Like, is it the best writing you could have? No, but it's charming. Yeah, and I think. Dune kind of does just this amazing job. I mean, adaptations are so difficult. They're just, um, it's something, because you have to make the decision, I think, early on is like how important is being faithful to the source? Like, what, how do you view being faithful to the source? Yeah. Do you view and... it as like a literal event by event, just like filming the book? Or do you view it as like aiming for the spirit of what the, the, the source was aiming for? And there's successful examples on of both of those approaches. Like, you know, like, I don't know if uh, going, you know, line by line is always the best choice. 
And sometimes when you get the spirit, you get something new and fresh out of an idea that probably didn't need like a line by line adaptation in the first place. So I, I really think that that like, and it of course depends on the source material, like how literal you want to get. Like the upcoming One Piece Netflix show. <laughs> if they try to, you know, or, or Cowboy Bebop is actually a better example. Like, yeah, I, I feel like that could, I think it's going to fail because they're trying to go too close to like, you know, line by line kind of an adaptation versus getting the spirit of it. And also because John Cho is like 30 years old to play Spike. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, he's, but, uh, he's a bit old to play Spike. <laughs> yeah, but I digress. I mean, I, going back to Dune, I think, um, I think they, well, one thing you can answer this for me because I'm not, you know, sure about the source material, but I saw somebody whose opinions I respect say that they kept waiting for certain scenes to like get cut out and that just never came. Like they just adapted everything that really needed to be adapted. Is that true? Yeah. I, I so they, they cut a lot of major subplots. Um, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about those later because I think you might find them interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that's a very good, I think like there's a lot of stuff I never thought they would adapt. Like I thought like stuff that would be too weird, um, maybe too hard to get on film that they wouldn't go for, um, that they really just went for. Um, I think like some of, some of the stuff with them in the desert, I thought they might shy away from. I thought they might have it like they crash and immediately meet the Fremen. Um, I thought they might cut some of the, uh, and I think like that point is correct. Like a lot of stuff when I was watching, I'm like, all right, they're going to cut this scene short. They didn't, they kept going right. and they would show the whole thing. Um, but I will say overall doing the movie, this one at least subscribes more the notion of like, get the spirit of the thing rather right. than line by line. Cause there is a lot they cut. And I think they were totally correct to cut. Um, not because they're bad plot lines, but because whereas when you read a book, you don't mind being bogged down as much. Like yeah. in the book, there's a lot of discussions of the internal politics of the empire, like like why of like why they're being forced to go to Arrakis, why Leto is seen as such a threat. And I don't think you need that. Like I think like okay, so you can answer this for me actually, as someone who doesn't know the source material. Mm-hmm. You kind of like understood like the the emperor wants him out, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Once you like see the, I, I think they kind of explicitly say this, like Idaho talking to the the one um, Fremen lady who who took who took off with Paul and Lady Jessica. Um, he was like, the Emperor tried to kill us. Do you do you witness to this or something like that? Right? Yeah, that's a that's I, a perfect I, that example. Was, yeah, I feel like that was when it was like explicitly made clear because at, up until that point it was kind of like okay, this is kind of weird, but uh, but then you kind of see the Harkonnen like align with the, the emperor's like task force or whatever. So then yeah. it's like, it all kind of, it all kind of comes together. You can kind of like pick up on it, but then I, Duncan says it like very explicitly. So, yep. Yep. I think, I think that's an awesome, that's a good point that you brought up. It's funny like that he, cause that's actually not a scene from the book. Um, that's oh, a scene really? that he made. And I think that scene covers a lot of ground. I'm so happy you brought that up. Cause it's something as a book reader, I kind of overlooked um, that like, he says it like explicitly, like, the emperor tried to kill us and she says like i'm gonna look the other way um because yeah. in the book they lay that out but discussions like leto kind of predicts it along with like his uh i'm not sure how much of this you're gonna understand but like you know the guy who like rolled his eyes back um, yeah and did like the calculations that's called like a mentat 
and he's like a basically like a almost like a living computer is probably the best way to put it. Like because in the world of Dune, they don't have AI, you can't have any artificial intelligence. Oh, um, that is, so, that's lore I didn't know. Yeah, see, the movie didn't need to go into that. Like I, I think in the next one they might, but they don't need to go into that. Like you get the point, right? He's a smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, you get yeah. the point. He's doing something. He's doing some kind of thinking. You don't need to explicitly know that like they're trained from birth and like they're like living computers. Basically, they run analysis for people. And um, that's not something you need to know. And I think that's another thing the movie handled well. Like, you got this guy. He's advisor to Leto. He does a weird thing where his eyes look back and he thinks. Like, <laughs> And what else do I need? <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Smart guy. Like, he predicts stuff. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I, I, think, I think one thing Doom did really well is, is how it handled ex, uh, exposition. Oh, like, yeah. Phenomenal. Because... That that is such an easy pitfall for adaptations to fall into, especially with something like Dune that has such an expansive world. That I obviously don't know. Like the AI thing is just like news to me. But it's like anytime there was exposition, it was rarely like voiceover stuff. But it was like natural conversation that the you know the Prince of House Leto would, or I don't know if he's a prince. But I think it's Duke. the Duke or yeah, Duke. yeah Duke. The no Duke of House Leto, yeah, you know, it probably it probably is a big deal. You just trying to make me feel better. But anyway, <laughs> my fist. I'm like I'm making a fist right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not this noob saying. Prince. You're yeah. doing a good job, man. You got the pronunciations right. I can tell you uh, you rewatched it. <laughs> I, I, I tried to do my homework, you know. Um, yeah. But like it was like these natural conversations that would come up, or like, and if it was explicitly stated, uh, you know, for for expositional, I don't know if that's the word purposes, but it was done like, uh, like you know, like the book he was reading or the the slideshow presentation thing about how the sand walking thing happened, uh, and you know, um, so that kind of stuff I felt I never felt like I was being info dumped. Yeah, and that's and that's a pitfall of a lot of adaptations where they're like, okay, we have to get the viewer to some kind of baseline understanding of like how things work. So let's just give them like a like a Star Wars info dump at the beginning or something like that, you know. Um, whereas Dune, you know, just has the title card and then it just naturally un, un, unveils things as you move through the plot, which I thought was really good. Yeah, they do an excellent job with that. I'm glad you brought up like the film book stuff where he has like basically like these travel logs, right? Like it pops up and it gets like a narrator kind of yeah. voiceover of like what he's viewing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a super clever way to handle that. Cause it never yeah. felt boring as a viewer. Like you felt like Paul, something was being explained to Paul and you necessarily, you wouldn't view it as like, Oh, they're like talking to me like I'm an idiot and I don't know things like right. Paul is researching stuff on his own and they did a very good job. Like he doesn't sit there and get like 20 straight minutes of that. They kind of intersplice it with other scenes. Yeah, exactly. um, and I, yeah, you're right. That was something that I really looked for, especially the first time. I mean, ex yeah, especially the first time through, I was just fascinated by how they handled the world building and the exposition of it. I think, um, I mean, Denis Villeneuve is always a fan of like show don't tell. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's something he really enjoys is kind of just like, um, just getting the shot right, and he's kind of like trusting the viewer to figure out what's happening. And I think but sometimes, that really sometimes that can backfire though if you if you do too much. Like for for a you know a world like Doom's world, and that's one thing I did know going into it that there is a lot of lore in in this franchise. So I was kind of expecting to get info dumped, and I was bracing for it. But I think like there has to be some degree of that depending on what story you're you're tackling as a director. 
like there are some stories where show don't tell works perfectly you really don't have to say anything and and the reader or the viewer will will get it on their own but something like this like you have to do it creatively um because like 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 we said there is some telling in there but how they do it how they frame it was showed a lot of respect for me as a viewer <laughs> and then but also you know showing a desire for me to not feel lost as i was watching the movie yeah i mean that's yeah that's an awesome point like it would be super easy to do too much showing and not telling and then have people completely baffled yeah um <laughs> but i think they really found that fine line because i think you'll find you're gonna read the books right you said you were interested in reading them yeah yeah i'm yeah. gonna head over to barnes and noble like one of these days and, and pick nice. it up you'll see how much more detail there is in the book and how much they cut out of the movie. And I mean, this as a compliment, like I, yeah. it, it's the best way to handle it. I think there's a lot of different versions. Ah, the 1984 version of Dune actually goes way too far into telling, not showing sometimes. Um, like the movie. Yeah. The movie. Yeah. Uh, Which okay. I don't blame. Like Lynch is, I actually kind of enjoy 1984 Dune. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a, uh, absolutely fucking bonkers <laughs> it's um one of the craziest things you will ever see it okay the book is weird the movie is somehow weirder i think like david lynch with his style was like you know what no one out weirds me i'm gonna show this guy <laughs> that's gonna the make only it a... reason he took the movie <laughs> yeah yeah he wanted to make sure that everyone knows he's the big papa weird but I, I have respect for it like i think it's okay i think he clearly liked the book and he went for it that was his vision it doesn't really work it's not a very good movie but he went for it and I enjoy it as a fan of the book, but I only bring it up just because like he does a lot of explaining in there. There's like a lot of scenes of like him, like the emperor sitting like in his room, like going over with his advisors. All right. Like the Atreides are too popular. I'm going to do this, this and this, and we're going to work with these people and we're going to get them out of there. And the movie doesn't even do that. The, uh, the new movie, they like, we don't meet the emperor. We don't yeah. have a I ton really of like Harkonian that. scenes. Um, I think he handles the Harkonians really well. And I'm super curious. I hope he, I think he's going to feature them more in the second movie. I believe he said that as much because they're kind of interesting. Like, um, like their plots to kind of get control of the Fremen and get control of like Dune, uh, the planet is, uh, it's interesting stuff. They're cool villains because they're just so like over the top evil. They're just jerks. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, there's like, they're just like the Baron is awful. Like we, we got that. Like they didn't even have him do anything that bad besides kill Ito. Like, but you can just tell, right? Like the way he talks and the kind of the way he treats people, like you get that impression of like, well, bad this guy. guy's bad. This guy's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I really like the choice to not show the emperor. Um, yep. I wonder if, if I, not to bring it back to our most beloved franchise, but I wonder if star Wars would have done better. Um, pushing off Snoke and obviously not killing him, you know, that, that early without any, you know, whatever. But I like the fact that there's like a greater evil that we don't even know about yet. But Paul has to focus on like what's right in front of him. Um, yep. And it was, also, it was also funny that Paul was like, okay, well, the solution to this is obviously to have children with the Emperor's daughters. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, did you, how did we get here? <laughs> That's awesome, though. I love that he did that. First of all, I'm going to say one thing. Like, I'm not going to agree with you about the decision to kill Snoke. Like, I don't. Like I, I think that was a good decision, but I get where you're coming from with that. No, like, I, I, I don't think it's a bad decision. I just think if like big picture, it didn't work out because of where they went with it. Oh yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Okay, you mean in like the third? Okay, I got you. In now. the context okay. of like the, the the whole saga, but yeah, yeah. I, okay. I mean, you and I, I both gotcha. agree. The Last Jedi is like uh, the greatest Star Wars. I mean, not the greatest yeah. Star Wars, but it's up there. 
That's why I was surprised you said that. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, you can't be throwing shots at the last Jedi. What are you, whoa, what are you who, who have you become? Like, what the last this? few years have changed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, anyway, the rise of Skywalker really changed. Me. Oh, God. That's why. Yeah. yeah. With Star Wars, is, Star Wars is, they're on the bat. They're on the bench for a while for me. Yeah, I'll be back. I'm, I'll be back. I'm, but they're I'm on the bench. Out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like you said, the Emperor, he's interesting. And I think he's going to really, he's never like, I mean, I shouldn't say he's not important. I think the more important thing in terms of like villain is like the Atreides versus Harkonnen. Like it's a grudge match. Like they have, like there's a lot of hate between those two and the emperor is kind of just capitalizing on that. Um, Cause he's just another faction. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like the emperor, or the, Harkonnen? the emperor, he's just like almost another faction. Like, yeah, he's the emperor, but he's not all powerful. That's why he's not like star Wars empire emperor. Uh, that's why he's playing them against each other. Um, oh, okay. Cause like he can't just like the emperor in star Wars, of course can just kind of march in and be like, all right, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to kill you. No one's going to say a word. Like we're good. Um, the emperor and um, Dune. And again, this, like, I don't want to get into spoiler territory or anything. And I don't view this as a spoiler. I wouldn't tell you. He's just like another faction. Like he's very clever. He's very good at it, and he's a really interesting character. And we do like you, you're definitely going to meet him in the second part. Um, but he's less all powerful and more really cunning. I that uh, makes him a better villain, in my opinion. I yep. mean, not that I've seen, seen yep. it, but absolutely because those like all powerful things, then you kind of have to convince yourself, like, okay, yeah. whatever the right, you know, whatever the writers choose to be the way that the, the hero wins, it's gonna that's just gonna be it. Yeah, if there's like a realistic way to get around it and i find yeah. it to be better written i like the way you brought up how paul immediately makes a play at the throne like he's just <laughs> like <laughs> like but i think that's super important because you're getting a look i think it's important viewers keep that in mind paul atreides yeah. is not oh god we're bringing up star wars again he's not luke skywalker no he's not he's like smart. he's uh, actually smart <laughs> yeah he's yeah he's extremely cunning like he was not like he's not some like farm boy he's not hero's journey hobbit like thrown in into the deep end He's extremely politically savvy. He's very intelligent and he's very ruthless. Like that's something like he's definitely someone you emphasize with. Um, and like you feel for, and I think Timothy does like a stunning job as yeah. uh, Paul. Like we could talk about that in a second, but Paul Atreides, keep your eye on this guy. Like, and I think Doxy <laughs> nailed like the pivotal scene there. Like everything's in disarray. Like he's being hunted through the desert and his immediate thought is like, Oh man, I could black I could blackmail the emperor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, the power and, of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, there's so many other things that he could have thought of, like as his plan, and he just immediately went for the most efficient and the most like, like like you said, savvy plan possible. And it's like that's not even like an overpowered thing. It just lines up with his character. Like, you know, the whole the whole movie we had seen him study and like yes. prepare himself, and he this is what he wants to be. So when the time comes, if we don't even need a hero's journey, we just need it to see the guy like step up and do what he's prepared to do. So yep. he's like he's he's like more Vegeta than Goku, if you want to like I don't know that's a super <laughs> over. No, no, I get I get what you're saying though. Like he was yeah. trained. Like he's not. Yeah. I that's this is something that Frank Herbert really loves. Like all of the Doom boat books talk about this. Dune. That's why he got rid of artificial intelligence actually in the novels. Frank Herbert like really likes to explore the idea of human potential and human like education and training and kind of like his whole thing is like, what is the human mind capable if we like 
really trained it and stuff. Um, So that's kind of his thing with Paul. Like he's good at this stuff because he spent his entire life like being taught. Like, I mean, we see that scene where he trains with Gurney, right? Like Josh Brolin's character. Character Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He does a great job, but that's just an example. Like he's constantly being trained. He's constantly being tested. He was raised in an environment where like every single day he's waking up and he's being prepared for like his destiny, basically. Both from like his mother and his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was because I, you know, I went back to watch the highlights of doing it. You know, I had to fresh up. Um, and that first scene I thought was really good when she was like, "Make me give it to you," <laughs> and, and and it obviously pays off later in the film, um, which I thought was a really clever moment. I mean, everything really pays off. Like even the the, the Sam walking thing paid off. Yep. yep. Um, the, the 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 voice training for the Ben Gesserit. I think I said that right. Uh, ben Gesserit. Ben Jesse, yeah. yeah. Um, it's okay. Gonna, I can't. I can't anything. I, I'm gonna pronounce everything <laughs> wrong. I actually almost said it. I didn't. I didn't remember to say it, but like, I'm gonna pronounce stuff wrong too. This world has only existed in my head for the past like 12 years. So, <laughs> uh, I like I did. I never learned how to pronounce everything until I saw the movie. I pronounced uh, some well, of these words totally different last week, like before I saw the movie. <laughs> well, we're in the same boat then. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have only yeah. heard of this franchise like a year ago. But anyway, yeah. like the, the Ben Jester training, I thought was, was really clever because it obviously paid back. But um, but the, the way that it, it was, you could tell that it's something that he's like, he's got to do it every day. Like he, this is something he wakes up and he's like, really? I got to do it again. Yep. Uh, and and, it, and it, you know of course it paid off but it's just it's seeing that it's just like it's it's not somebody who's supposed to be like the bumbling clumsy hero that we're supposed to like fall in love with and whatever it's going to be the guy that we can really like root for and be like hey that's let's let's go like Paul's on the scene like you know what I'm saying yeah. like Paul showed up you know it's about to go down like <laughs> so he's more Zoro, he's more Zoro than like Luffy <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean Luffy can really I mean Luffy yeah Luffy's really not dumb background. but like yeah. But he's kind of a natural talent, I think. Like he's kind of like a, like not yeah, a natural like, talent, but like, I don't know. I, I, would, he's, I would say he is. I mean, he's he's yeah. pretty strong for, for yeah. a guy that like you know he didn't train for like Zoro's extent, but Zoro came out. You know, he's been training since he was like eight to be yeah like his a super his per, his personal his personality is training. Zoro's personality is literally like I train. Like that's kind of like his whole thing. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, that that's more where line Paul is, and I think that's such a, you're right. I think. Villeneuve like setting that up as the very first scene was such a good it kind of gets you in that logo not the very first scene but like the first non-voiceover scene I guess like the first like dialogue scene it kind of sets you up right like this is his mother who like loves him clearly like loves him but like she's testing him she's immediately like training him dude just woke up dude's having a tough day and she's like all right it's time for a test (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly I, I thought that was a great choice and even the scene when they're escaping from the Harkonnens later, um, she criticizes him. Like the first thing she says after they escape, it's kind of a funny line, but she's like, your pitch, your pitch was high. too yeah. high. Yeah. Or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that. And that just like speaks to their relationship, which I, I eat that stuff up because that's just like good characterization. Yep. And it is. I think that's, I think maybe that's probably the reason why I really resonate with, with doing, I've said this on the pod too, but I'm a big like characters over plot guy. Um, so if, if a story has great characters and a great plot, like you're, you've sucked me in, like no doubt about it. And that's what I see so far in doing that. Like none of these characters are like somebody I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm going to war for them or anything like that. Like, not, you know, uh, like in some of my favorite anime or whatever, but like I'm intrigued by all of them. Yeah, they're all um, and, very and interesting. I, yeah, and they're all very fleshed out and like dynamic, you know? So 
Um, Duncan Idaho is like probably the most like stereotypical character, I guess. But even he's layered, and yep. and yep. he's like a he, he's a culturally easy to just look at Duncan and be like, ah, big strong man goes her in battle and, and all that stuff. But like he's out here with you know being very culturally sensitive to the front end and you know their sensitivities and their unique things as a people. And it's like, okay, this guy is a, is a diverse, you know, dynamic character. Um, yep. It's not just like the big, strong brute who goes into battle and whatnot, even though he can do that, but that's not all there is to him. Yep, correct. And that's something they actually dwell on a lot in the books with Duncan in particular, like why they picked him to go uh, meet the Fremen. Um, he's actually a little bit different in the books, which is kind of funny. He's a, in a much good more way kind of. Way. Um, in a different way. Like, I wouldn't say bad i would say different i think when you read it you're going to be confused a little bit in the book he's kind of like um he's definitely more he's not colder but he's more ruthless and kind of subdued like jason mavola kind of like big fun loving kind of guy right like he runs after paul and he's like oh hey like what's going on my little friend (laughs) (laughs) um in the book he's not like that he's kind of like cool guy a little bit Uh... like almost like a not edgy but like He's definitely more of like a loner a little bit, I think, in the book. I think they, Leto describes him at one point as like kind of ruthless and uncompromising, but like fond of the truth. And that's why he sends him to the Fremen. Like Duncan believes a lot in like being just. And I think like he's the kind of guy who sees the world as it is and thinks like you should treat people a certain way. Right? That's something the Fremen respect. Like he's not going to lie to the Fremen. He's not going to be like, Oh, please, like, we want to be your friends. Like, he's going to be like, he's going to tell them the truth. He's going to show well, up. Well, I, I think that kind of, maybe the change just comes down to the fact that, like, it's Jason more personality Mavola. than, like, different person, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, just and, to make that it, clear. Yeah, that makes sense. I think what it comes down to is just that, like, Jason Momoa is now in that class of actors, like, with, you know, The Rock, where it's like, Jason Momoa is going to play Jason Momoa in a, in, a, in a movie, no matter what the movie is. Like, it's yep. going to be Jason Momoa with a hint of whatever character he's playing. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, so Definitely. I think that's, probably, that's probably what happened. If the, it's you know, a change that I will say that's the most surprising thing about the movie was I actually, I didn't like the Jason Momoa casting because like I said, when you read the book, you're going to find Duncan a little bit different. Um, okay. And, but I think Momoa brought so much energy to him and I think he did a really good job of making it clear why he's someone the Fremen will connect with. Um, like, I think he just did a great job and I think it's yeah. fine that he's a little bit different than book Duncan. Like that's not a big deal. But as we saw, like spoiler, he dies. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, you didn't give enough time between spoiler and he dies. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, people will live. If you're this far into the podcast, like <laughs> yeah. the book's been out for seven, like 60 years. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's something that I think like there's actually a whole subplot and you might find this interesting. It kind of like gives you sort of a view. I think the subplot gives you a view into the world that Paul was raised into, like how kind of manipulative and political it can be. There's a major subplot in the book of Dune where the Harkonnens try to pit Leto against Jessica. They send a message that like implies that Jessica is a traitor and they arrange for it to get intercepted. I kind of picked up on that in the movie, but not like, like it didn't, it never went that far, but like that there was some kind of mistrust. Yep. There's a, there's a character who mistrusts Jessica. I'm not going to say who, and like, they'll definitely have to deal with it in part two, I think. But in the book, that's more fleshed out. 
because Leto would never distrust her, but he pretends to distrust her um, in order to like fool the Harkonnens. And he sets, he puts Duncan on her to watch her. And, and this is really funny. This is one of my favorite book scenes because it's so like a little bit crazy. Duncan gets like hammered. Duncan like drinks way <laughs> too much. Like they have this thing called like spice beer. And like he doesn't realize like how strong it is. So like he drinks a ton of it and he gets absolutely hammered. And Jessica's like trying to like get him sober. Like she's like, she brings him actually like coffee. And she's like, <laughs> all right, like sober up, like stop singing and like being like a lunatic in the hallway and he gets like wicked mad. She slaps him, I think, because he's being so out of line. Right. And um, he like calls her a spy or something, and it causes a whole thing and like a fallout. And... I kind of wish they would have had that scene in the movie because Drunk Jason Momoa would have been. Yeah, Drunk Jason Momoa would have been really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was a good cut because I mean it was two and a half movie already. Like we don't, they don't need that scene because Lido never truly distrusts her, and yeah. he just pretends to. And I think like. What that's what what that kind of um, sets up to me that subplot, it just shows me more about the world like Paul grew up in. That's very complicated, and he has to. He knows his father doesn't distrust his mom, but he has to go along with it. And I think right. that's a that's that's such a hard thing to ask a child to do, right? Like, yeah. and that's something Paul has to deal with. And and, the, and just, the fact that he deals with it, you know, adequately. Yeah, he does well. Speak, yeah, speak, speaks to his character, I think too. Yep. Yep. That's something just about Paul. Like that's just he's he's a very interesting protagonist to follow, because, like I said, like he's not Luke. He's not kind of bumbling. He's not like pure of heart. He he he's gonna make, he makes a play for the prone. Like he's <laughs> uh, he's an interesting guy. I, I want to talk about the casting real quick because I found yeah, I found that really definitely. interesting. You know, they they got so many A list actors to to you know to sign on. And I just, you know, I wonder if the reason is because that so many of them died, <laughs> like Oscar Isaac and, and Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Like, you can, you're only in for one film, don't worry. We're not going to bog down your whole schedule. And, yeah, and on, the other, on the other end of Extreme, you know, Zendaya's in there for like five minutes. <laughs> she's <laughs> love... in there for a perfume commercial. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. Scene. She's just walking around the desert in sandals. <laughs> I love the sandals. I love that she's in sandals. Um, and they zoomed in on them. yeah. I will say, so here's one thing I'll say about the Zendaya stuff. Um, obviously, and I'm going to be extremely pretentious here, like, I read the books. Like, I know she's not in the book until, like, the second half. Right. Like, she's not in it at all, like, until the second half. He does have visions of her, but they're not as prominent as the film would make you think. I think, if anything, they added her into that film more than she was in the books. In a good way. But, like, she's not as important in the book until the second half. Honestly, uh, didn't feel like she was important in this movie at all. Like, no, she she could have not been in the movie the whole time. Like, they could they could have shown like the fact of the woman that he was seeing, and then like unveiled the surprise true. casting for, for, true. for part two, and then but it, it wouldn't have changed anything. No, <laughs> like, that's true. Uh, I think, but I, I think guess it right. helps sell. The, I think it helps sell the film. Or it helps. Sell it, film. Yeah, it helps sell the film. And like I said, he does have visions of her, so like she does exist in the first half of the book. But she's just really not a character until the second half. It's right. It kind of is what it is. I feel bad that people felt misled. I, but at the I same time, I, I don't really care. Like <laughs> <laughs> right after I admit that I yeah. felt misled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> when you read the book, you're gonna be like, "Oh wow, Shani's not really in this at all." Like yeah. the, uh, she got the opening voiceover right. She's in a bunch of visions, and then she actually meets Paul at the end. Um. 
I think you'll find when you read the book, that's, that's just kind of, that's her character for the first half. She's a very big character in the second half and she's a very good I, character. One thing I, oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Cause I'm, I, I was kind of excited to see like what character she was going to play and how that was going to play out. But one thing I'm confused about is um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm saying his name wrong, but Jamis is that? Or Jamis? Yeah. Jamis. Yeah. Jamis. Yeah. Jamis. So Jamis. I thought we saw visions of him and Paul talking and like saying he's, he's one of us or something like that. And then he's dead. I am but. so happy you brought this up. Cause I've got this, like, like, this is one of the things like I've had clients and friends ask me about. Um, I love that you brought this up because this is the key point in the G. <laughs> I'm gonna rave a little bit. Villeneuve like setting it up this way because this is not a thing the book does. Mm-hmm. He set this up very in purpose. The purpose of him having those visions where Jameis is like his best friend yeah. is because his visions aren't perfect, and that's okay, what so that's that what I was wondering. Is. Yeah, yeah, that's why they have that. If things had gone a slightly different way, Jameis is his best friend. Huh. Like it wouldn't have taken much, but. Unfortunately, the path they went down leads to Jameis calling him out and they have to fight. Um, but like the purpose of those visions is to show you that Paul's visions are not absolute. Just like when Zendaya stabs him. Right. Um, like his uh, visions are not okay. absolute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the future is always yeah. in motion. It, it's funny because my theory is just that initially this was supposed to be a multi-film deal for that actor and that he just wanted out. So he was like, hey, yo, after they film those scenes, he's like, yo, cut me out. <laughs> I love that. Was, oh, oh, that's, oh that's shoot. Like, yeah, we're not going to edit it out either. We're just going to leave it in there. <laughs> uh, what can you, you do? You can convince me either way, yeah. but that's my, that's my right theory. Yeah, I like that. That's um, funny. But I, but I did, I thought, that was that was one of my thoughts, that like maybe this is just meant to prove that um, yep. that he's not like, hundred percent accurate. So, but I didn't connect that to the fact that Zendaya's character is supposed is supposed to stab him. So, yep, I didn't like. Exactly. I didn't connect how that could work out. That's yep. interesting. It's uh, the, it's to show that his visions aren't set in stone, um, ah. that he can take action to prevent them. Also, um, there's something. This is more like deep thematic kind of stuff, but you'll you'll probably find it interesting. Um, I my theory on some of that stuff because what he says to Paul in the visions, what Jameis says to him in the visions are um he says i'm going to teach you the ways of the desert right like he's talking about how he's going to teach him how to be a fremen well what does his death do with paul like he teaches him how to take life yeah yeah it teaches him how to like take life and it it does introduce him to the fremen as well like that's his what he uses to get in with the tribe um and that's a line that he says in the book um no in the book he's just kind of like an asshole uh I, I was glad you brought this up. Like in the book, he's just that duel is not very different. It's pretty different. Um, in the book, they're kind of already accepted by the tribe and they're going in. And I believe Jameis's problem. Yeah. Jameis, when they go back, he calls out Jessica and he calls out Jessica because he wants to fight Paul. Cause Paul, like they also did this in the movie, but I didn't catch it until my second viewing. He, he the, you know how Paul ended up with the pistol. Yes. He took that off Jameis. Like he beat him up and took his pistol. Oh. So that's yeah, why he's he's like salty about Paul doing that to him. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Him out. Like it's not a noble thing. He's like, oh fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you embarrass me like in front of my friends? <laughs> yeah, no, okay. When it, well, yeah, that makes a that that adds a lot of context, but I And I, when I you when you rewatch it, you will notice it it's him. It's like that actor. 
it's too right. fast in like the first viewing for you to notice. I didn't notice either. Um, but yeah, he he's the one that like Paul clocks on his way up the slope. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, that's why he's mad at Paul. But um, yeah, it's... I, and I thought it was weird because Zendaya's character was all like, "This is my family. You're good. It's good as dead." And then she like barely mourns him and was like, "Hey, welcome to the desert." <laughs> oh yeah, that's like, that's it's just that, weird. That's the Fremen. That's something the book's gonna like. So I can't vouch for part two. I don't know what direction he might just choose to move on. But the book brings up how shocking the Fremen attitude toward death is to like Paul and Jessica and all the other Atreides. Like these, they're harsh, man. Like they live on the edge. Like these are tough, tough people. And just, I think their whole system of like the duels is how they function is how they kind of self like run their like political disputes and stuff. And if you get bogged down in vendettas, I think you would never get anything done. You would tear the tribe apart. So I think part of why she moves on so quickly and why like Stilgar does as well is it's kind of their culture. Like they don't, they can't afford to hate Paul. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, I, know, I didn't think about it like that. Also very funny. You might enjoy this. And I know I'm like kind of sprinkling too much book stuff in here. Sorry if it's boring. <laughs> no, no, but it's good. There's a cool thing in the book where Jessica can't talk during the fight because they, they know about the voice. And like, how, do, how do they know beforehand? Because uh, the Ben Jesuit have been among them. This is going to be more of a point oh, in the second one. I actually they, just watched this scene in the beginning of the movie when um, I, I can't remember who told Paul, but that the Ben Jesuit had already been there planting superstitions among the people, which is why they were chanting when they arrived on the planet. Yep, that's what uh, Jessica tells him that. Yeah. Okay, this thing. Yeah. This is one of the major subplots of Dune, and this is something that in the second one they're really going to explore is the idea of like this manufactured religion. Um, the Ben, Gener- ben Jesuit basically. They'll go from planet to planet and they kind of like spread these rumors and they try to like do this stuff and they don't do it to spread their religion or anything like that. They do it. So if a Ben Jesuit is ever in like danger, they can kind of use it as a tool. Right. Um, It's very interesting stuff. I'm not going to go too much into it because it's more of like the second half will deal with this. Yeah. But yeah, that's why it's a manufactured kind of religion. Because the Ben Jesuit stuff was the the most confusing out of all the stuff in the film. Yeah, it's like the Atreides versus Harkonnen stuff was very like clear to the point, uh, and and even the Emperor stuff was made clear. But then it's like, who are these ladies in black coats? <laughs> who are these <laughs> witches? Black shawls? Yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. it's like, and why is his hand in a box? Like, I don't <laughs> like that was the most confusing part. But yep, <laughs> um, and and not just like the 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 black and white aspect of it, but like the whys of like why does Paul need to, to master this, and like who who is the one, and like that kind of stuff. So. It's you, a very you think part two is going to jump into that. Part two is very much going to jump into like the Fremen religion, and they're the Fremen want something, and we don't know as a viewer what they want yet, but it's going to be made clear in part two. And it's very interesting what they want and how they think Paul's going to help them get it. I'm sorry to like tease you like that, but it's yeah. very exciting and it's a very cool thing in part two. Well, the Fremen want it. something. I figured it's like that because how else would it end up that he's like in his vision, like fighting with them and, you know, against the Harkonnen. There was that one vision where he's like fully decked in like a battle suit or whatever, <laughs> yep. fighting in the sand. Yep. Um, so I figured that there's like some kind of transactional nature to this relationship. There is. There very much is. And that's something Frank Herbert loves. Like his whole thing, it's less of a hero's journey and more of a deconstruction of a hero's journey. 
Well, that's good because there's there's too many hero journeys. Sorry. Oh, it's 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 uh it is not it is it's um. Frank Herbert has interesting views on heroes. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna delve into it. Part two is very much about that. Not nice. to spoil anything, but like we're gonna learn. It's uh, I'm here like I it. said, he is not Luke Skywalker. <laughs> And that's okay because I'm burned out on Star Wars. Yeah, we're burned out. Yeah, we don't we don't need that. We got eight thousand heroes journeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but Doom was great. Uh, it for me, it gets like a. It, it's I keep going back and forth between like eight and a half and, and nine, um, and I don't know like, I can't really point to one specific thing that could have made it a ten. I just think it's hard without the rest of the context. To, to really say it's like a masterpiece, like unfallible masterpiece, which is oh, what yeah. are my tens, because I don't know where it goes from here. But maybe looking back, like for example, The Last Jedi, looking back on it, gets less of a score because and I've seen the full picture now. Um, it's still the best out of the sequels, like by far, but it's just like if you're looking at the whole story, then it's just like, Ugh, I don't really yeah. know. You know I what I mean? So, so I don't know where Dune is going to go. So that's why it's hard to, for me to just be like, yep, 10 out of 10, 100%. Like, but it's it's very close to that from what I've seen. You know what I mean? I think that's a super fair like thing to say about Dune as someone who because you hadn't read the book, you've seen it. How many times have you seen it? Uh one one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> one and a half, yeah. Yeah. I'm I gonna went... rewatch it fully with Denise. So that yeah. Like, oh, okay, yeah. That's... <laughs> you drag gonna drag Denise in. I uh, that's right. <laughs> I dragged my girlfriend in um last Saturday and I already seen it Thursday and like last minute I like turned to my girlfriend, I'm like could you be bullied into going to see Dune with me? <laughs> how, how, much, uh, how much blackmail did it take? Uh, it didn't take that much. She was, um, she knows how much I love Dune. So I think it wow. was kind of like, yes, dear, I'll nice. go with you. This is so wholesome. wholesome very pod. wholesome. Very wholesome. wholesome. Pod is on, yeah. the, on the way. <laughs> yeah. Let no one say we are not wholesome. Um, but yeah. So Speaking I've seen of it. wholesome, I, I just want to, I mean, for those who are listening and don't know, Jake, Jake, was, uh, Jake was at the wedding, the Doxy wedding. Uh, which is really I, I, cool and i want to thank was, you for being there uh, oh dude please i mean it was like a huge honor like that was so exciting to watch you get married it was such a beautiful ceremony i loved like you guys were like were you on the water or did you just have that magnificent view of the windows behind you oh we um, were actually on a golf course um, yeah okay and and uh it was it was funny because like at first it was like super bright but then the sun kind of dipped a little bit and that made it a, a more you know, palatable scene, but the curtains are a really nice touch, I think, to, you know, and everything is just, it, it worked out. Oh, it was beautiful, man. I mean, Thank the you. fact that I can picture it, like it was a year ago now, right? Around a year ago? Um, February. So we're like at eight, nine months. Oh, okay. Now. Yep. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> You're in Florida. You have beautiful weather in February. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was yeah, up I mean, here. <laughs> it's like that right now, actually. <laughs> You're terrible. Um, I know. <laughs> It was a beautiful ceremony, man. It was like, I can picture it so vividly in my mind, even though it was like a while ago now. Um, It was nice, man. It was cool. Um, But yeah, so because I'm married now, I get to drag Denise into all these kinds of things. Like, uh, there's the My Hero Academia movie coming out this week, um, actually today. And I'm like trying to get her through enough episodes to where she can conceivably come with me to see the to see a movie <laughs> that like coincides with season five, and she's on episode three. But we're working on it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's wicked. Yeah, the, the stuff you can do, man. You now have leverage. <laughs> that's um, I don't know about you. I, I've never watched a movie with you, but like for me, I have ADHD. So like, I think in normal conversation, I'm kind of bouncing around, twitching, kind of being a lunatic. Um, this is the first time my girlfriend had ever seen me watch a movie in a movie theater. 
And she was like, I've never seen you sit so still and be so laser focused. Wow. <laughs> hey, Dune does crazy things to you, man. Dune does crazy things, man. I had my like fingers steeped under my chin. Like I was doing like the lean forward, like Aratora look. Like I'm studying. I'm like getting locked in. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't I actually didn't eat anything when I was watching this movie. Like I was just laser Good. focused the whole time. Correct. Correct. Um my second showing was like full of people like saturday night people so they're kind of like walking around the movie theater they're opening the freaking bags of m&ms some woman in front of us was talking it was i hate that it was i don't know people should be those people should be arrested i think and and that's why (laughs) hbo max is coming through for me right now (laughs) or you can do what i do i mean when i went last thursday there were the hardcore like nerds no one talked if you go to see Dune opening night, you are a fucking nerd, and that is okay because <laughs> I am there too, my friends. Either you're a nerd or you're a Nemean. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> okay, that's true. You got lit down. Yeah. <laughs> you're like a TikTok girl or something. Like you're like you were big time let down. Yeah. <laughs> I will say it to Zenzaya let downers. Like she's a big deal in the second one. She yeah, will get her moment. Her character is a really cool character. She's an excellent foil for Paul. Um. And I found, I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler, but like I found their romance like very. I believed it. Wow, bro, spoiling the movie for me. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not like we saw them kiss in the video. Yeah, it's not like we could tell where it was going. <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, so I will say she's a big deal. It's worth sticking out. Like she will get rewarded. Her character arc will get rewarded. Um, will TikTok even be a thing by then, though. That's true. 2023. Who knows, man? <laughs> I don't know. They'll be on. It could, it could get vined by then. <laughs> uh, Vine. I miss Vine. Yeah, Vine was good. Vine was. Yeah. I like that you only had like what four seconds, six seconds. Six. How long? Yeah, six, six seconds. Yeah. 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 Good. You got to be efficient, man. That's a that's, a, that's an interesting <laughs> style of filmmaking. It, I like it's that. It's a skill. It's a yeah. skill. Because TikTok, you could you could wait, yeah, like up to a minute or something like that. Dude, TikTok, it, like half like the TikToks are like, this is just like a you're making like a YouTube video broken up into different parts. <laughs> like what is this? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like part one, part two. Like yeah. I don't, we're yeah, not doing is, this. You're just a bad television show at this point. Like, <laughs> please learn how to be concise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vine was like, you got six seconds to impress the people. Yeah, and there's count. no like discovery page or anything. Like you have to go viral through sheer force of being undeniably <laughs> hilarious yeah no algorithms just, yeah no just, uh, <laughs> just popularity and vibes that's it <laughs> uh, vine um yeah dune should be filmed on tiktok uh, like dune tiktok series uh, i would watch that how many parts would that be? <laughs> be 230 230 parts more parts than there are one piece episodes that's Oh my god, that that's impossible. What's that one We're piece right now? 800, 900? <laughs> well, buddy, <laughs> I don't know if you saw uh, my last Instagram post, uh, but I actually got a, a, a PR package from Funimation. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Go check it out. Wow. Uh, that's what I'm doing and, right now. Um, I got a PR package because One Piece is going to be celebrating 1,000 episodes next month. That is incredible i'm actually looking at it right now in my office it's, it's really cool they sent me like this box it's awesome. look at this guy <laughs> dude you I've look gone so happy hollywood. <laughs> yeah. i've gone jack, hollywood jack called you hollywood that's what you're look, look at this recording oh my god look at i'm this. actually mad because i thought the whole thing was gonna re- get recorded and it got cut off but... did you have denise slide it across the table at you <laughs> yeah I did. it was her idea <laughs> 
honey, get in the kitchen. We're filming. <laughs> Assume the position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, you look yeah. so happy. Oh my God, man. I've never seen yeah, anyone. Man. But let me tell you, bro, being an influencer is hard work. Like we had to go through like four or five takes. I, I know I made it sound like that. Like, oh, this is me unboxing the, 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 um, you know, unboxing the box and it just didn't work out that way. So I have a lot of respect for TikTok influencers. Yeah. Like, I, I apologize. I think it's a lot of work. That's, that's tough, man. Well, look at that box. That box is cool, man. Is like... Yeah, man. I, I was stoked. It's got, it's got some good stuff in there. Damn. And to think I've only watched 200 episodes of One Piece. I wish you wouldn't have told me that because now I know how far back you are. <laughs> Dude, there's too many. I can't, I gotta, Please, like... man. I'm begging you. If you can read through <laughs> Dune once a year, you can do One Piece up there. <laughs> <laughs> doing like is like a religious text for me though that's different man that's different like i like study like i like i write i take notes i'm like how can i further my understanding of doing you, you give public discourses on, on, this, on the subject of doing like it lured me back into podcast like <laughs> that's right and i want everyone to know that the Celtics did not lead to the the podcast coming back it was actually doing like we needed to get our thoughts out here on doing yeah, and I guess we're contractually obligated to like touch on the Celtics a little bit, but yeah, we are. Yes, we should get to that. We should. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was ta- we were talking about this before the pod, but there's really not much to say outside of like Udoka and and what his approach has been. Yeah, um, but I do want to talk to you about that because I'm just, like curious about your opinion of what you think. Because I'm very neutral right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're fairly neutral as well, but um. Like, I'm very, like, this is not a backhanded compliment to him. This is not, like, a shot. This is, take this in totally good faith. I'm waiting to see what he does. Like, that's, I'm very willing to wait. I'm very willing to be patient. Um, I know he's a new coach. He's a new head coach as well. He's never been a head coach anywhere, right, I believe? Yeah, this is the first, this first stop. Yep, first stop. So, I'm, ve- I'm very willing to be patient. Um, I've seen some stuff that has, like, I have questions. Yeah. But the sample size of five games is not going to make me like <laughs> jump off a bridge because he could be trying stuff out. He's, he's figuring it out. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys remember Brad as a young coach, but he had a lot to figure out as well in terms yeah. of what works and what doesn't. Um, and yeah, so I, I, you, you can talk about him first if you want, but I also have some stuff I kind of want to pick your brain on. Because yeah. You, I mean, yeah. My, my thing with like, Brad, I, I will say Brad has showed more in the early going because he had a lot of promise with his like out of out of timeout sets. Oh my god, like the out of timeouts! Oh, I miss them. <laughs> I miss like, them so much. I know. <laughs> like th- those were those were like the things where it's like right away we were like, okay, I don't know what he's doing wrong, but he's doing something right. You know? Yeah, that was. Like, and Brad, I oh. he, yeah, he had some beautiful APO sets like with Vitor Favarani. You know, like, <laughs> like doing the inbounds back and like Gerald Wallace, right? Wow. So, <laughs> he was I, getting them open for like game winners. It was a, right? it was a wild time to be alive. Exactly. Jeff Green in the corner against the Heat. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> Legendary moment. Um, so I will say that like I haven't seen anything from Yudoka that's like, okay, this is diamond in the rough. But it is such a small sample size that to me it's just like asinine to to assign any kind of traits to him one way or another or like any sweeping judgments like he's so there's like good and bad that i've seen like bad his rotations and over reliance on veterans who are not producing oh, and oh, you know dude i have many thoughts yeah and then also the um the switch everything principle um mm. 
Yeah. But there's there's some good stuff in there too. Like I like some of the stuff he's been like saying publicly, which is basically all we ask for is just accountability. And some people are complaining about that. But you like that. Little, you like that he said that about Jalen. I, I do. And, and if you okay. watch the clip, it cool. sounds better. It sounds better in the clip than it does on, as a tweet. He does. He's kind of teasing him, right? He's kind of like like it's not as like vicious as it might sound. Yeah, exactly. Um and I and I do like um I do like some of the offensive sets that we. I do think that sometimes we kind of revert to one on one, but I I I was a little patient in terms of seeing like what what the offense looks like, and I think we've had some really good stretches of just looking like a functional moving NBA team. So there's good and bad. There's good yep. and bad. I want to say yeah, a good thing about him um, is I've noticed Jason cutting more. I think I'm not. Yes. I don't have like numbers in the, uh, but it feels like he's getting to the rim more off cuts. Um, yeah. which is awesome to see. Yeah, post-ups as well. Yep, I, I like a lot of that stuff. A lot of what you touched on, you said the movement, right? I think some of that is a lot better yeah. or will be a lot better. Because right now, I mean, remember, they practice kind of got disrupted with COVID and just yeah. general yeah. roster shuffle. Like, this is not the end product. Like, right. <laughs> this is not game 80. Like, <laughs> game five. <laughs> yeah, they're figuring stuff out together. Um, yeah. I will say... I'm not in love with the rotations. Um, what do- I'm, I'm just like, where is Neesmith? Like, what, like, what are we doing? If we're gonna lose games, we might as well lose games with him. <laughs> I, I thought he did well. I would, well I would the make the season. argument. Yeah, he did. I would make the argument though that because so bad in his in his limited minutes that somebody's saying. I mean, I, I you know, if we're gonna lose games, but I I don't think that I think Udoka is definitely like going away from somebody who can't make shots because he's trying to win them. So that's, that's true. Just my that's true. But, that was very stupid. That was I, very I, like, results oriented it. to me to say. <laughs> 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 that was very oh, results to me. Yeah, <laughs> Twitter's poisoned you even though you're not on. <laughs> I am all about results now. <laughs> <laughs> We're about the process, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I see. I, I, I get what you mean. Um, yeah. he, he, he's been rough in his stretches, but like, what is a four minute stretch, dude? Like, what is that? Like, yeah, you can't yeah, get come on. Out of yeah. And I understand that defense, like, right now, the Celtics defense needs work. And I understand, like, Peyton Pritchard will get picked on against Washington. Yeah. But to me, unless the mask is really bothering him, and maybe it is, Peyton's like a, you got to play him. Like, it doesn't have to be a ton of minutes, but I didn't view him as a guy who's going to get DNPs. He's I a just rotation didn't... player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I I'm baffled by that DMP. I I know it's not a good matchup for him and I do understand the mask might have played a role like maybe he can't fucking see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that's part of it cuz he doesn't look himself. Like, he no, doesn't he look he doesn't look good out there, but I don't yeah. think that's the real him. Um It's not. It's not. I mean, he, he impressed was... me a lot last year. Like I like him. I think he's and a summer league. Yeah, and so, he's a fun little player. Yeah. He's someone who uh, can definitely play at the NBA level. Yeah, I mean, no, he's like, there's no doubt about it. He's a top, he's a top ten like rotation player. Yep. On, yep. on the team and like on pretty much any team. Like, there's a lot of teams where he would be coming off the bench. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and maybe some teams he would start, but I mean, the point is like, I, I, uh, that's one I, I can't really defend. Uh, that's a really bad DMP in my opinion, because if we are gonna go, oh, I, I, and I think this is something that Udoka and, and Brad shared, where it's like younger players get a much shorter leash leash than than veteran players because now keep this in mind though, Ennis Cantor has not played a single regular season <laughs> minute. So I can't criticize him too much about I thought he, I thought he played a Toronto game. 
Did he not? Did he? Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. Ah. And, and, uh, um, he has not played a meaningful. Yeah, like, meaningful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you must be very happy. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm thrilled. I can't complain about anything. Yudoka can do no wrong. He's not playing Cantor for Doxy. <laughs> can't, can't play Cantor. That's what I'm talking about. Um, uh, no, what I, what, what, I would, what I will say is that, like, for example, Josh Richardson, I think he had a really strong start against the Raptors. Mm-hmm. But since then, he's, like, stunk it up. And yep. he's still getting minutes. Aaron Neesmith has stung it up pretty much, you know, every time he's been on the court so far this regular season. Um, but, I mean, even even Pritchard, like, he didn't, like, stink it up against the Hornets. Uh, I think he was part of a stretch that really gave the Celtics a boost. Right? Yep. So it's like, yep. why is he... Yeah. But why does Richardson get the minutes? Like, I don't yeah. think we can purely go matchup based on paper. Like, I think yeah. you throw him out there, if he gets abused, then you can kind of switch things up. But... I'm, I'm with you. I, uh, Neesmith is kind of like a nitpick for me. Like, I, I, I personally really like the kid. I think he's going to be good, so I want to see him play. But yeah. I can understand, like, him getting a DMP is not shocking to me. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like, okay, I, I can see it. But, like, Peyton, dude. Peyton... He's a good basketball. He's a he's a good little basketball player. Yeah, yeah. He um, gives you a spark, and it makes me wonder what's going to happen with Romeo when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> 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 if if that even exists, but <laughs> uh, that sounds like an oxymoron. Oh boy, yeah. What is uh, uh, oh Romeo? What and it's funny because like he looked pretty good, right? Like <laughs> what game did he actually play? Um, the, he was yeah. like a big part of that game. Yeah, he he was a good little player there, and then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then oh. Romeo Langford happened. <laughs> I just it, it, it's I'm deeply saddened. I... <laughs> yeah, he's he had a good summer league, good yep. good preseason, good first yep. game, and then it's just the body's yep. not holding up. Yep. Um, but so it makes me wonder if he what his leash looks like because yep. there's no way there's no world in which Josh Richardson should be higher than Romeo at least at this point on the in the depth chart. Because Romeo has proven it, like like he started playoff games, um, which I thought at the time was weird because I figured Neesmith played himself into rotation at the end of last year. Um, yeah, and but, but Neesmith came out leap- strong. Last yeah, year. and then and- Neesmith like le- le- leapfrogged him in the playoff yeah. rotation. And, and you know that just goes to show that practice plays a big you know part in and everything. Correct. I'm yeah, sure. Sure, Romeo is like outplaying him in practice or something. So I wonder what things look like for Romeo when he gets back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If he gets back, <laughs> no, no, he's he, he's uh, yeah, he's like, this is not a big deal, right? Like he was questionable for the game on Wednesday, right? Like I don't think it was like definitively yeah, no, out. Yeah, probably play. It'll probably play on Saturday. I don't yeah. know. I'm not breaking any news, but that's just yeah. my gut feeling. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, but on a positive note, we both agree. Like Grant, um, kind of coming great. out. Grant's been great, man. Like I yeah. would use the word great. I would too. Yeah, and and I. It's so funny because year one, I was a big Grant guy. Like, yep. I was on a fan club. Year two, it, and, and, <laughs> Who I, was, is this? I was extremely not a Grant guy. <laughs> like, but I think he, he kind of spoke to why in his uh, media day responses about like his weight and you know his, his approach to in-season training and stuff like that, coming off the bubble, going straight into the next season. Like, there's a lot of factors because he was just like – they were asking him to play the four – and he was too chunky to be a four, and it was just not working out offensively or defensively, and it just was yep. frustrating. But yep. now that he's pretty much like a, he's a five, um, and that's yep. that's always been like where he's been most effective as a small ball five. 
But he's lean enough to where if they need to put him with Aller, they need to put him with Rob, which they do enough. He can he can make it work, and his shooting stroke is keeping up with it too. So. Yeah, Phen- I mean, I- I'm like you. I thought last year I was more patient with him. I was obviously like I thought he was a bad player last year, but yeah. I I didn't forget that in the Raptors series he was a really good player for us, which is a big deal for a rookie to be like a kind of a important player in a playoff series, right? Like that's a big deal. time in game seven. <laughs> yeah. That that's a big deal. Like, I don't think one bad year completely can wipe that from my memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I was definitely low on him last year, but this year he's come out and I, I, I'm like, who is this man? I almost <laughs> like didn't realize who he was when he was moving. And I was like, when did we get this guy? Um, it's I thought he had a nice play in the fourth quarter against the Knicks. I believe I texted you about it. Yeah. Where like, um, he like pump faked the three and then like ran to the rim and dunked it or like either laid it up. Like it was just like, it was a really interesting play for him. Cause I feel like that's something he never used to do was like, he ran at the rim. Like he went for it. Um, yeah. And that was a pivotal play yep. in the comeback you know, yep. in that fourth quarter. He looked like uh Tennessee. Yeah. Like that was yeah. impressive to me. Like that would, like making threes is obviously really important and, and, and that's impressive. But that's something even last year, I think he was like he was decent last year from three, right? He was like 36, 37 from three. Yeah, he was like league average. I'm uh sure. 37. He was 37 from three last year. So uh, that started to come along. Yeah, I got the, I got his I got his page up, man. <laughs> I'm not saying something wrong. I'm not having some jackass on Twitter like be like, oh fucking idiot. He shot 10%. <laughs> and, and, they will, and they will do that. <laughs> they will do that. I've had that happen. Um yeah. <laughs> Really funny. Last year he shot 58 from the line and 37 from three. Hello, Jalen Brown. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, wow. Yeah, right. I, I'm getting I'm I'm getting flashbacks. Yeah, getting, yeah. Um uh, uh yeah. yeah, so Grant's been good. Yeah, I think so. Um Al's I, been really I good. Al's been fantastic, you know. Al's been like he looks like he's like 28 years old. What the hell is going on out there? <laughs> he looks like he did when he first got here. He had 16, 10, and four, four assists. Yeah, which is just he just looks good too. Like he's moving well. Like yeah. he, he, I, I, I'm amazed. I was very bullish on him. Like I knew he would be good. Um, I always love Al, so I watched him actually a little bit last year in Oklahoma. I tortured myself and watched him last year in Oklahoma. <laughs> And I was oh, like, man. oh, this guy's not useless. Philly is just really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. The answer to that is always going to be yes. But, and, and they just used him, though. Um, yeah. Like, anybody with a pair of eyes, except for Elton Brand, has, would know <laughs> that, that Al Horford at the four is just not a good idea. And even, honestly, even in our system right now with the double bigs, I don't think either of them is playing power forward. I think we just have two centers out there that yep, are really good yep. at passing. I think and, so too. And, yep. And that's how we're using it. You know, but when they were using Al in in, um, in uh, Philly, like they were using him like he was Tobias Harris. And then they actually had Tobias <laughs> Harris. So it was just like, hey, yeah, we have is... two clones of a very bad guy making max money. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's definitely a thing. Like, uh, I think Al might tell you he wants to be the four. Do not listen to him. Yeah, Alvin, I'm, Josh, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Your brother doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a five. Yeah, yeah, he's a five, yeah. I respect <laughs> Al. I think he's wonderful. But 
Oh, like, no, don't like be like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll we'll get you in at the four and then don't put him <laughs> in as the four. <laughs> that man is a five. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you'll be a four next to Grant Williams. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can see I've written it on the death chart. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know, that's like my that's my new funniest, like, or that's you know, the funniest conspiracy theory that we can come up with is just like you know, because just like lying to him, <laughs> yeah, he's placating him, yeah, on the on the official death chart. He's like, What are you talking about? You're right here, you're, you're, you're at the floor next to Grant Williams. <laughs> it's it's literally written down. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else I could tell you, Al. It's written, it's written down. <laughs> that's 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 my new head cannon, <laughs> yeah, that's that's my new thing, but either way, he looks phenomenal. Um. I'm really excited. I think he's someone who he, he's going to help. He helps so much already. Um, yeah. I gotta, also, before, well, I gotta ask you before we, we cut off this other stuff. What, what are your thoughts on early returns on starting point guard, Marcus Smart? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if oh. I speak, I'm in trouble. I mean, yeah. what does he say? <laughs> Tread lightly, buddy. <laughs> um, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Say what you, you got to say. I'm willing to ride it out. Um, it just, it, okay. So it's difficult for me cause I can't in a, in a vacuum, I'd be more willing to let the experiment continue, but Schroeder looks like good out there. So it's yeah. kind of an issue for me. I, I don't have str- Marcus, 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 what are we going to do with you? I love you so much, but, um, <laughs> I'm not, uh, Maybe I'm, I'm- well, no, it's not. It's not even be honest. I'm trying to like. I'm thinking back and looking at it because I think mentally when I watch these games, I sort Marcus into the oh he's doing Marcus thing. Like I'm not thinking about him during games. I'm watching right. some of the other guys who I'm less clear on. Marcus is always kind of that cha- chaotic force. I'm I'm not sold on him as being a starter. I'm I don't want to say I'm low on Marcus Smart because that's ridiculous. I I love Marcus Smart. I yeah. but I'm not as much forwarding his agenda as i might have in the past let's put let's is that a good way of like delicately phrasing it i know but i'm not i'm not just saying it because i don't want to argue with you but like it's more like my own thought process on it i'm kind of okay with whatever they do with him if they send him to the bench i'm probably not gonna say a word let's put it that way yeah yeah no i get i get what you mean i don't think it it would be terrible optics to pay a guy 90 million to be a starting Mm. point guard and then send him to the bench after you know a week oh okay interesting Interesting. I, that's that. that's what I yeah that's what I think. Uh, okay. I think when they gave him that contract, they like put the keys in his hands, and then you know are basically saying like we're riding with you, or we're going to trade you. Like either way. Mm-hmm. So my my thing is um, his 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 shot selection hasn't even mm-hmm. been that bad. No, his shot, no. His, his shot making has been horrid. Yes. Like as but, as bad as you could expect. At you know as is tradition. <laughs> right and, and it, this is not unheard of but i mean the way i look at it is the beginning of last year without kemba he did the role perfectly yep and then um in the in the net series I, he was our second best player so yep like oh the, i love there, there's yeah. proof that he can do the job he just hasn't done it and i feel like when dennis is on the court with him he goes back to his old role of, you know, like playing off of Kemba, playing off of Isaiah, playing off of Kyrie, um, when Dennis is out there for the most part. Yeah, and I think that's I don't, yeah. And I don't like that because I don't think that really maximizes nope. either of the, I don't think it maximizes either of their strengths. 
Like, I don't think Dennis and Marcus should share the floor, but because of Marcus's field goal struggles, they kind of have to right now. Mm-hmm. So um, is this your is this your closest thing to an issue you have with Yudoka? Do you think they should not play together at all? Or are you willing to experiment with that? Like Schroeder and Smart? I, I think there have been some good moments, like defensively having both of them out there. Is, oh, yeah, that's awesome. fun. That's a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but offensively, I, I would like to see what a lineup like that would look with the ball in Marcus' hands. But then you kind of make Dennis like you said. Mm. Because yeah, Dennis is that's... not a spot-up shooter. No, you don't um, want him on. No. He's not even that good of a cutter off-ball. Like, nope. he is sometimes, but it's just not, like, his strength. Like, his strength is hard drive kick, and that's what it is. Um, so what would you do? I, I I understand the frustrations of a lot of people, especially people who think, like, field goal percentage equals offense. Um, <laughs> because, cause, I mean, if, if I'm being frank, like, his field goal percentage is horrid right now, but – as far as like what he's doing for the offense, uh, outside of like a couple of you know um, poorly timed three pointers, I think he's doing a good job of being like a floor general. Like he's not like Chris Paul out there, but he's the the offense is moving, you know. And yep. Yep. and I think that I think that's it's not all on him either. Uh, no, for, no, for no, better no. for worse, but I yeah. think he plays a big part of that. Um, so what what do I do? I don't know. I try to keep I try to keep him with. Jalen as much as I can, and then I keep um, Schroeder and Al Horford together as much as I can. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. You want to run some stuff with them? I like that then, idea. Yeah, I like what you're thinking with that. And Dennis said that last night after the game. Like he's like, I oh, think did he? Should, yeah, I think he's like, <laughs> and and honestly, I as much as the double bigs, um, I, I I'm not one of those like anti double big truthers um, because I think this is a lot different than Tyson, you know, Tristan Thompson. But I don't think that it's the right allocation of our resources. So I'll just put it at that because I think, especially with Grant coming out and being like a playable player this year, I think it'd be we'd be better served having Al off the bench with Dennis and just having like two real NBA players coming off the bench reliably. Yeah, <laughs> and you can still sense. you can still give them starter minutes. It just is a better re- allocation of our resources. Um, yeah, I don't mind that. I'm not. Yeah. I'll never be anti Marcus Smart. Just yeah, this I, year I'm not quite. I'm kind of like. You're not pro him this year. <laughs> well, I am pro him, but I'm also like, I'm not his agent anymore. I'm not like, I'm not going to shill for him all over the world. I'm kind of just like, I'm watching the games and sometimes I'm like, interesting. Interesting, right, well, Marcus. The, the, the check is clear <laughs> for me, so I, I'm on the... <laughs> but I love Marcus and I am totally okay. If they want to ride him as a starter, that is totally fine with me. Well, I, I mean, let me, let me ask you this. Did you really feel like he did a good job before Kemba came back last year? Like in the early part of the season. Yeah. I mean, I think throughout his career, there have been many stretches where starter Marcus has been an amazing force for the Celtics. Like, yeah. like I think throughout his career, he's not this guy. He yeah. is like, I think as a starter, he's actually better in some ways. I think what you brought up when he's playing off Schroeder and it's kind of mentally regressing him to like mm-hmm. that attitude of just like gunning off ball. Yeah. Um that's not him. I think he's better as the point guard. Yeah. Um, and I think as a starter, he's been v- very good in the past about deferring to the big guns um, right. and kind of being a floor general for them. Um, yeah. So but oh, he oh, just okay. needs to make shots. He just makes, yeah. he needs to make shots, basically. Yeah. But he, I will say his shot selection isn't bad in the moment, but his shot distribution is pretty bad. Like he's, oh, yeah. he's taking, mm-hmm. he's not taking enough two pointers. He's yeah. He's taking seven threes a game, and he's only taking nine shots a game. 
<laughs> oh boy! I've been too scared to look at his, his basketball reference page. I, love, I know. I love back. that. I can't. I can't look. Take it away. <laughs> I know. I no. Know because because like man, I know in the in the Houston game they posted him up on Jalen Green like twice, and it's yeah. just like why are we not like why yeah. was he living in the post against Kemba? Yep. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's your personal like Gum Jabbar test. We gotta take you over to the stats page. And like, I'm going to hold it to your neck and I'm going to be like, you need to scroll down the page. Look at the page. Read them out loud to me. Read this. Read, read I don't want to. Yeah. Slip, slip my throat. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. But yeah, I think, I mean, that's my answer to the Marcus Smart. I'll always believe in gambling on Marcus Smart. I'm not going to like bang the drum super loud because I think the Celtics finally have some other options that are interesting. Yeah. But I'm very okay with starter Marcus. I will never blame Marcus for anything ever like he was sick he, i he love him sick. yeah he had the migraines right yeah yeah He's... migraines stomach stomach issues so this actually brings us the perfect thing to end on it, we're five games in like yeah the sample size is it's nothing Minus, yeah. what is this yeah and they lost a double ot game to the knicks who are good they absolutely puked all over themselves first toronto so that was yeah yeah. That's I'm not the gonna... one loss where it's like that's a loss for sure. No doubt. That that that's exactly how I feel about it. That's the only loss I look at this year, and I'm actually kind of like annoyed. Wow. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. what the hell I, is I, that? I, yeah, I saw some people saying that last night was like the worst that they've seen the Celtics. No, what? Like, what? Are we watching the same game? Yeah. What do you? Yeah. What do you? <laughs> Dude, Toronto is like a doghouse team. Like they should like run them off the court. That is like if you want to talk about effort. And like focus in the shoot around. That's a game yeah. I would look at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like um, this game is you just lose to a, a fringe playoff team. Like that happens yeah. in a year. It happens in a year. Yep. It happens to us every year with Washington. Like yep. I'm not gonna be mad about that. Yep. I'm not I'm not thrilled that they lost, but it's fine. Like yeah. I honestly, if it wasn't such a discourse thing, I wouldn't even think of it. Like, <laughs> like yeah. they lost. Okay, fine. Um, you win some, lose some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um yeah, so overall, I'm I'm fine at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, like we really are a couple bounces and a couple calls away from being four one. Yep. I mean, uh, Knicks first overtime. Jason Tatum has the ball. Ten seconds left. If yeah. that bounces in, you suddenly feel way better about the season. Like what? Like, like... Or um, Jalen Brown and and Dennis Schroeder missing two two like close shots back to back. Oh yeah. Layup and then the missed yeah. dunk. Yep, like that. That's right there. And then, um, Jill and it, dunk. <laughs> scrub it from the internet. Scrub it. No, just like they scrubbed his dunk on LeBron. Um, and yeah. then, and then last night, you know, those back-to-back calls on, you know, the the block that was called a foul and oh. the out of bounds. Yeah. Like you can make the argument that that would take us to a win, um, if they if the referees open their eyes. So we're really mm-hmm. like, like. And I, I don't know what our point differential is, but I would imagine it's it's a point differential of a team that's like above five hundred, not you know one game below. But I don't no, because they got they got crushed by the Raptors. Ah uh, well, well, it didn't really lose by twelve though, something like that. Oh, did they have a fake comeback? No, it was just like the and you know how garbage time goes. No, they got killed, dude. They lost by oh. like thirty five. <laughs> okay, I take it back. But anyway, but I, I think you're right. Besides that game, like everything else has been good. Um, and, and the Suns are terrible. The, the Lakers are yeah. bad. The Lakers it's fine. gave up a 26 point lead to the worst team in the league. Yeah. Like, it's, it's five games. Nobody looks like a contender through five games right now. Huh. Like, not a single team. The, the, the Bucks <laughs> are injured. The Nets look terrible um, without Kyrie. I, I mean, terrible, whatever, but they look yeah. bad. The Heat, I guess, look okay, but 
Yeah, Kyle, Kyle. Yeah, Kyle Lowry still has not woken up this season. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm not worried. <laughs> no, I'm not worried. It's five games. You have a brand new coach. You have a decent amount of roster changeover. Like, I don't know. What do you expect? Like, there's going to be growing pains. Hey, there's this going is to too be... positive. This is too yeah, this toxic. Toxic. Yes. toxic. Yes. Everyone must be fired. That's what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm very willing to wait out and kind of see how it goes. I think by the All-Star break, I'll start to form more feelings about Yudoka. Yeah. Um, overall, I like him. I like his demeanor a lot. Um, I, I don't like saying anything to the media at all. But yeah. I think what he said when you watch the video is very different than just the quote of mind-boggling. I think that's kind of yeah. a that's a misleading quote. Yeah, I think so too. I and you know, I, I can I can understand like your point of view with the media thing. My thing is just that that's that just seems to be what what Brad was missing, mm-hmm. um, and it seems to be what the players wanted. Because I remember yep. that some of the players like in media day, they were, uh, Brad said that he pulled them aside and asked them what they wanted, and they said accountability or something like that. So yeah. hey, this is what it looks like. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't I don't like the whole like. You know, if you complain to the refs, you're gonna gonna bench you thing. Even though Tatum <laughs> does do that too much, I think that's just a little too extreme. You but... Doka, like '50s football coach, <laughs> like blue collar guy, no talking to the refs. Get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Get back the, I mean, the refs guys. are gonna work us if we yeah. don't work them. So. Um, my opinion though is, and again, I'm not disagreeing because I don't think what he said to the media was a big deal. Um, I think accountability. Is if if Brad if Brad lacked that, which the players said he did, God, that sounds so much more harsh than what they said. But anyway, yeah. they want a more like demanding coach. That's fine. Um, uh, they wanted more demanding with the next coach. I think you can do that in private as opposed to to the media. Um, yeah, absolutely. I just again though, I don't think it's a big deal. Like he's not Nick Nurse. Like what Nick Nurse does is a fucking big deal. Yeah, and, he like he demeans his players. To the he media. demeans like, them. Yes. Yeah. That's it's, like, it's like embarrassing for for to, to listen to it. So yeah. Like, imagine if you're the player, like and be like, yeah. yeah, Pascal is a Beyblade. Like he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any reliable moves in his bag. He yeah. doesn't spend move. Like Nick look at this meme I player. found on Twitter. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna share it to the media. Look at look at this is what Pascal is. <laughs> Um, yeah, like he, yeah, yeah. Nick Nurse is too extreme for that. I think you should be. I think I like that Udoka's kind of a badass like that. Like he's gonna call him out. Mm-hmm. I, I I tend to err on the more side of like do it at practice, like if yeah. that makes sense. Like do well, it at it, practice. It, I you know the only thing that I'm like really concerned about was all the shoot around comments from yesterday. Like Dennis said it, uh, Udoka said it, Al said it. That shoot around was not like the right vibe. So, and I'm wondering why Yudoka didn't fix it right then and there. Because if I'm a coach, you know. Oh, I, and but then again, these are all grown men. So what do I know? Like I don't know. You probably yeah. you can't like yell them into submission. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm, use the voice. Use the voice on them. Unless you're like Tom Thibodeau, like you're not going to just yell. At yeah. Them, yeah. Or, or Stan Van Gundy. But so I wonder wh- what who the culprits were and why that was, yep. and if being accountable in private hasn't worked and that's why he's going public okay but it's so early it's, it's so like, early I, I can't imagine that that's where we're at yeah i hate myself I, we're in trouble yep i was just about to say i almost hate myself for even talking about it but it's something you have to talk about yeah like it's so early and it's such a minor thing like to read too much into it is such a mistake like but then we, we wouldn't have a podcast if we could talk about it oh we could, we could just kept talking about doing like yeah. <laughs> ball sometimes stops like, wait yeah time. ball sometimes stops one last thing did you like the bagpipes in dune 
No, I hated it. No, I'm just kidding. I liked it. I liked it. I was about to cut you off. I had my finger over the button. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know why that's become like a discourse, but I yeah, the, it, the, it, the bagpipes are sensational. Yeah, They're, I, think it, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. But oh, sensational. I would just say that it adds to the ambiance of, of the arrival of, of, you know. Yeah. Like the stab, bagpipes are like loud, obnoxious, archaic, like they're ludicrous instruments, right? And the world of Dune is like this weird, archaic kind of feudalism, like mashup. Like I think it fits the weird aesthetic of Dune. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. I don't yeah, disagree. I, I love the bagpipes. I think Hans Zimmer, the way he did it in the score, um, is just the bagpipes. Like they add to that feeling of like when you're watching it in theaters and the IMAX and just loud as fuck bad pipes come blaring <laughs> in and they're running at each other with their knives and like they're yeah. about to stab each other. And it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> but that's one thing I, you know, I, I guess this is my last like thing about Dune, but the sound design in this movie is fantastic from the oh, score yeah. to yeah. just like the sound effects to everything is just yep. phenomenal. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Good. So that was my last question was just the bagpipes. I had to make yeah. sure because I, I wasn't going to release the podcast. Um, if if you if you disagreed, if you didn't like the, the I would throw this right in the trash. An hour and a half later. <laughs> yeah, an hour and a half later. I cannot host a podcast with someone who didn't who didn't like the bad pipes. <laughs> no, I'm, with, I'm with the bad pipes. I, I vibe with it. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. We're back. Yeah. Ball sometimes stops because <laughs> we're not going to talk about it. Except when it, <laughs> except when it <laughs> sometimes it keeps going. You never uh, know. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. But it's been great. I, I'll do the I'll do the outro this time. Jake, where can we find you? Oh, you can't find me anywhere, man. I'm off yeah. the internet for a long time. That's funny. In the mountains. Yeah, <laughs> in the I'm mountains. in the mountains. Um, I will be back on social media eventually. Uh, I don't have a date for any of you guys, but I'm A-OK. Don't worry about me. I'm having actually some of the best times of my life. Um, so you can't find me anywhere. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, Where can we find you, Mr. Doxy? Well, you can find me at Andrew Doxy. I, I, since the last pod, I just changed my at to be my name because I, I, for some like era of professionalism, I don't know. Nice. Um, yeah, you're a big but, deal now. You're hot shot. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to be. <laughs> Being a big deal <laughs> means you get like people responding to your genuine podcast name request with smart shouldn't start. So I knew he got under your skin. I knew he did. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> Fame isn't all like, it's cracked up to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, until next time. It's good to be back. That's right.